this idea of expectation and then fulfillment, and then you have to wait until you're hungry again before you eat again. And I think mm-hmm. that like the Lord does the exact same thing <laughs> in our spiritual life. He wants us to have expectation, then we get fulfilled, and then there's that season after fulfillment where yeah. I have to adjust to the fulfillment I've received, and I, I need to rest thankful for that, but the, the hunger has to build again before the next feast comes. That's and good. and That's the Lord really wants that hunger to, because then we would just be fat. Like, and yeah. so like, let, like those seasons of hunger are awesome. Those seasons mm-hmm. of expectation are awesome because the fact that I'm hungry and I'm hungry for a meal with the Lord means the feast is coming. Hey friends, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Brad Pierron. I'll be the host for today's show with my good friends and brothers in Christ, Aaron Richards and Dan Dimite. Here's the question for you today, friends. What are you thankful for? Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. you're probably thinking yesterday was Thanksgiving, so this is well-timed and you'd be right. But we also <laughs> want to really focus in on the fact that like Thanksgiving is um, one of the most important aspects of our lives as Christians. Like we need to be thankful because the Lord is so good and so gracious to us. And I know that you're listening to this on the Friday after Thanksgiving. So you might've already forgotten the things you were grateful for because you're running to get the list of things you don't yet have during your Black Friday shopping. But <laughs> we can always pursue more while still still being thankful for the things we have now. And that's what we're going to dive into during today's show. So uh, we're going to go ahead and start in prayer, and then we'll dive into all things Thanksgiving. Aaron, you yeah, start nice. in prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for the gift that you've poured into our lives, Lord, your presence to us, Holy Spirit, your presence in our lives. Father, all the, all the things that you've given us, all the things that you've provided for us, the ways that you have designed uh, our lives with us in mind. You desire to partner with us. Thankful for the way you've poured into our families. Hmm. We we could never we could never put enough words to the the gratitude that you are owed. But Lord, we want to put ourselves in that posture of response to you, and we pray that this episode would be a response to you, that we'd be able to gather as a beyond Damascus community on this day to uh, offer you worship and uh, acknowledge, acknowledge the, the love that you have and the way that you're operating in our lives. So we want to celebrate you, Lord, and we're grateful for you. And um, we pray that even in our words today, that we would inspire other hearts to come into that, that type of encounter with you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. In the, the Father, Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. So Amen. Um, here at Beyond Damascus, as you both know, we don't often start with emphatic questions, and I'm not <laughs> sure I'm cool enough to even pull that off. But um, today with the question of um, what are you thankful for, I, I think that um, it's funny because I, I've had this um, sort of conversation on my heart since really my conversion. I, I would say that shortly after my conversion, I, I'm I have so many perfectionist tendencies. I want to figure things out. Like that's just my natural temperament. So after I met the Lord, I was just like, oh, I want to know how to pray. Like, I don't even know how to pray. How do you repent appropriately? Like all these things. And I had this amazing spiritual director at the time and he just slowed me down, which I need so often as our listeners, you probably know, you're probably like, Brad, if you could speak just slightly slower. Um, (laughs) Calm down, puppy. Yeah, he's so excited. Uh, 
he just, he slowed me down and um, I was just really trying to seek direction in all these things. And he was like, Brad, I, I think we have to come to understand what it is that the, that the Lord even expects from us. Like the Lord, he, he knows that the things that you're going to bring to him are imperfect. Like he, he knows that you're not going to figure all this out like month one of conversion. But one thing the Lord does expect from you is gratitude. That, that he wants you to just be thankful for where you're at, even in its inconsistencies, because that's exactly where he's going to show up. And he wants you to be thankful for the places where you're excited about where you're at, because those are because of those areas are because of graces that he's given. Yep. And, um, and he went on to say, like, I, I think something that a lot of us as Christians have heard before. And that was that like, Brad, at the end of the day, if the only prayer you say is thank you, that would be enough. And, and I thought about that a lot over the next year, you know, like, Lord, I, I'm thankful that that you forgive me. There's repentance, right? Yeah. Like, Lord, I'm thankful that you're present here. There's Eucharistia, right? Like, like, Lord, I, I am thankful that you are with me always. Like, there's the day-to-day -day Christian walk. So I, I've thought about that a lot since that time, but I wonder if at the beginning of this episode, obviously in the spirit of Thanksgiving, but from a, a purely Christian perspective, like, I wonder if we can start with just ministry and um, and our lives in the Lord and why we're thankful for that. So mm. I don't know if you want to kick us off there, Dan, but just maybe um, reflecting on, um, yeah, how good the Lord's been in those calls. So what are you thankful for when it comes to ministry, life in the Lord, all that? Yeah, that's such a great question. Thanks. Uh, thank you for yes, asking me, yes, Brad. Exactly. At the <laughs> yeah. beginning, I even left the cliffhanger. You know? I'm really working on yeah. it. Yeah. I, it's actually, it's funny in ministry, like in the, in the ministry context, I asked, I ask this question all the time to, as an evaluation, like, am I thankful enough? Because like, if you mm -hmm. look at my strength, uh, strength finders, uh, report, <laughs> I'm like futuristic and strategy are like my two like top strengths. <laughs> yeah. So like a lot of times I feel a little guilty because it's like, okay, God has built this giant like retreat center at, on mm. uh, at Damascus. And the moment it's built, I'm like, okay, what's the next project? And like, um, I have a hard time sometimes just resting in the fact mm. that like, well, what you just did was miraculous and uh, and marveling with with wonder and awe and what he's done. And uh, because a lot of times I'm like, yes, we checked it off. Now it's the next mission. Mm -hmm. And and I do that like literally, like we're still trying to build our Minnesota camp and we're right. opening our Michigan camp. And Thank my you, mind is just focused on like East Coast camp and West Coast camp and how do we get more movement in Georgia and mm -hmm. what do we do? Like, mm -hmm. and, and I... I what I've realized in ministry is that um, the the two aren't opposed to each other as long as they're grounded in a heart of gratitude. And so, um, right. And I really think it's like for me, Thanksgiving gratitude is really connected with the the gift of the Holy Spirit of wonder and awe. Um, to be able, like we don't talk about wonder and awe too much anymore in the church, but you see it all throughout the old Testament that, and even in the new Testament where like, like they just marveled at the power of God. They marveled mm -hmm. at what, what God was doing after Pentecost. It, it says all were amazed, right? They were bewildered. They were confused. There was this, like all these interesting words after Pentecost, like you have amazement, you have bewilderment, you have confusion. And I actually think that that wonder and all of what God is doing can be mixed with gratitude really beautifully. And like, okay, God, I am, 
I am so amazed that you have built this place. Like you've built Damascus physically. Like like you've raised more money than I have the ability to raise and yeah. built incredible buildings. And you've brought more ministers of the gospel, missionaries into this vineyard than I ever, ever imagined. And you're hmm. you're enabling us to serve more kids. Like, it, it, and it's just as amazement and wonder Mm -hmm. and at the Mm -hmm. same time this confusion and bewilderment of like but i know you want more and and so Mm -hmm. so why isn't the more that i know you want why hasn't it happened yet and and being able to Mm -hmm. to be there like i'm so amazed at what you're doing and i'm still confused as to why you're not doing more and uh and i think that's where my heart kind of rests a lot of times in ministry even with like miracles, right? And signs and wonders where it's like, man, I I am so amazed that I've seen cancer healed. I'm so amazed Mm -hmm. I've seen legs grow. I'm so amazed I've seen broken bones like healed. Uh, And and yet, God, I'm confused why when you promise signs and wonders, why I haven't seen more. And like, it's just, I think that's what I... I guess that's what I think. Like, how can I thank God and love God for what he's doing in our mission and what he's doing in individuals' lives, what he's doing mm-hmm. in signs and wonders, and yet at the same time have that paradox, like yeah. post-Pentecost, where I'm like, this is amazing, and I'm still kind of confused. Yeah, well, what about, like, um, I wonder, I want to I throw this to both of you, because everything you're saying there um, resonates with me, and I'm sure it resonates with a lot of people who work in the church, that there's this hunger to see God do everything he's promised. Yeah. But it was funny. This was probably six months ago where I was sitting with the Lord and the Lord revealed to me something that's helped me in this pursuit of gratitude, which I think has been a pursuit of mine for a long time. And I wonder what you guys think about it, but he was, he was suggesting to me that those don't have to be competing interests in this sense, that if the Lord knew of a place that I could be, that would be better set up to get where he wanted me to go, he would have me there. So like, here's what I mean by that. There, there's so much that he's promised, right? And I want it all to take place. And, and maybe I'm in a place where I wish more of it would have already happened. But if there was a better place for me to be in conjunction to where he wanted to get me to go, he would have me there. So yeah. I can be thankful at the fact that God has me in the perfect place for everything he plans to take place later, whether that's exponential increase next week or that's progressive increase over the next decade and then exponential after that, whether that's exponential at the end of my, like, it was just this realization that the grace of God has brought me to a moment where all of his promises are not yet behind or I'm not lagging behind the progress to them, but he has me in the perfect place if I yield to him to achieve all of those in my life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. And I I think, I I think the, um, another area where I just, I find a lot of fruit from the Holy Spirit is um, in ministry so often. um, You just find yourself, I'm sure you guys do as well, just find yourself in tears of like what God is doing in, in the moment. And it's like, you meet the individual and you're praying with them and you're, you're, you're literally watching on their face salvation come upon them. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. And, or you're, you're seeing breakthrough happen in someone's life. And I think the, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not naturally a crier, right? Like I'm not a very emotive person, but I cry a lot in ministry because I, I, I think it's that the Holy spirit um, in uh, kind of filling you with gratitude. And I think realizing that gratitude isn't, or Thanksgiving isn't a personality trait as much as a gift of God that I, right. I can only actually have wonder and mm-hmm. all 
through the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And gratitude and thanksgiving is a gift of God that it allows that to well up in me um, so that I can see what he's doing yeah. and just honor it. It's also funny. I wonder what you think about this, Aaron, that like um, Thanksgiving almost in its nature gives us a hunger for more because we see how good it's been to now. And it's like, like, because we were made for the infinite. Like we were made for heaven. So of course it's a foretaste. Everything I'm thankful for is just like an appetizer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a it's good like, word. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> you've been so good to me. And and I know that's not like the the full reality of your goodness because I'm sure there's blocks here. I'm sure I'm not answering the call yeah. perfectly. Um, how have you in your life balanced that? Um, I, I don't know what can seem like to be a dichotomy between like thankfulness for the present moment and hunger for what God wants to do. I, was, I think I was just going to ask that question. <laughs> because, <laughs> so all of us have the same question. <laughs> yeah, so, the, but the way you, the way you position it, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is an invitation to actually preach this truth to myself, right? Sure. That uh, in, I'll use the example of, of prayer for healing because, mm-hmm. you know, that's often an area where I am tasked with teaching in this community. Uh, so I, I know the promise that God has made seen the way that he's fulfilled that promise. I've seen I've seen miracles that are that are completely inexplainable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh with with my own eyes and 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 through through the prayers of our missionaries and through the prayers of this community and you know our, our miracle book is filled with testimony. Yet what happens when I don't see one? Like I'm not derailed because the fact that I don't understand something isn't an excuse to step outside of the promise. Right. So, uh, you know, at some point there's a prudence where I need to, like, I need to respect reality for a moment and, and step back and realize, all right, if I, if I decide to, if I decide to really continue to press this hard, I'm going to, hurt myself or somebody else. Sure, sure. Yeah, you have to have a pastoral uh, skill set there. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean it's uh we pray because Jesus told us to, not mm-hmm. because we see fruit. Mm-hmm. Right? We pray because of the promise, not because of the not because of the benefit it's going to have for us. And I think it's it's in understanding or I guess the motivation I would I would say has to come from am I Am I confident in what the Lord has called? Yeah. Because my ability, my conviction to participate in that promise is gonna is gonna be directly associated with how confident I am in the promise that He's made. Mm-hmm. So if you're lacking clarity around what that promise is, find that clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then, gosh, just you got to go for it. Yeah. Like you, you got to go for it, and you have to, you have to realize that my identity isn't wrapped up in whether this thing succeeds or fails. Yeah, it's funny because I was actually um, recently at a conference where I was being asked about the um, just the supernatural reality of God that the person yeah. I was talking to believed in, but also the natural reality of the world, right? And they were just in this wrestle in their own heart, like to what degree is which being manifest at a given time and how much should we respect the one that's being manifested at a given time versus pushing for the one we think is right in a given time, whether it's the pursuit of healing or the pursuit of um, convicting someone that this virtue is necessary. I don't know, like like you just bring the two sides. It was funny because I was reminded as you were speaking, Aaron, of what I was kind of wrestling with in that conversation. And I'll I'll throw this to you guys too, because it's like just a beginning thought. But I love when Paul says that the that the greatest gifts that the Lord's given us are faith, hope, and love, right? And that love remains. And I was wrestling with this idea that 
in my in my experience of the Lord, I've I've really um, stepped into the gift of faith when I believe in His temporal promises. That I have faith that you can do what you've said you're going to do right now. I have faith in that. I have hope in the eternal. That that you're going to work out your promises in some way, shape, or form. I have faith that you can and desire to do it right now, because why not? Because from my vantage point, that seems like what you would want and desire right now. So I have faith for that. I have hope that you're going to work out your promises in your time. Those don't have to be competing. I can hold those two at the same time. I can have faith in the moment right now that you're going to break through, God. And in the case that you don't, which happens on occasion, we've all ministered in ways where it's like, I think I have such the avenue of what you want to do right now, God. And I believe we're both in deep faith. And (laughs) I, I, I don't... I don't leave faith at the doorstep when that happens. It's just, okay, well, now that's married to the mm-hmm. hope that you're going to work something even better than I had in mind because your ways are higher than mine. And then if we can hold those two at the same time, love that's greater than the other two, it like almost encircles them. Yeah. And I just stay in love of the Lord and of the other and of myself in a moment. There's like a wholeness to it. Mm. And so I don't know, like I, I wonder, I, wonder I, I don't know that, I don't think that's the only way of looking at it, but I think that's at least one way of expressing it. Well, and it's a process of coming into a greater understanding of, of what the promise is, right? I, yeah, I, sure. I look, at the, I look at the apostles. So it's funny, even, even from the moment that Jesus called them and before, all the way up until Acts chapter one, you know, they spent at, at minimum three solid years of, of face-to-face, heart-to-heart ministry with Jesus. Yet the promise that they still believed was that Jesus was going to come and overthrow the, the oppressor, right? The promise that God had for them was, was much deeper than that. But for three years walking with Jesus, they somehow got it wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it seems that at some point along the line, you know, within that first week together, when mm-hmm. they mentioned, oh yeah. yeah, Jesus, when's the cavalry coming? Right. He, he could have said like, guys, you realize that's not happening, right? <laughs> but he, but that he, wasn't the plan. Yes. But presumably he didn't. No, right. Or else, or else they wouldn't have consistently. So I think, I think the Lord allowed them to have a process mm-hmm. of discovering what his will was. He wasn't surprised. Yeah. Jesus wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. But but everyone who's a part of the story was, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't say no. You know, when when they got out of that boat, they were not faithful. Right, right, right. We would say they were just in a process, and we can take solace in how right and wrong they were at the same time. Precisely, Jesus did come to overthrow the <laughs> oppressor. They just had a very singular mind, which actually was from a good heart of like this would be awesome. Yeah, sure. And the Lord's like, I. Yes, I will do that because mm. I promised it. It just is, it might look different. So, yeah. Well, I, I think that applies in so many different ways, right? Like if you have a ton of faith for God to move in your family and he's mm-hmm. not moving in the way you desire right now, then mm-hmm. you can have hope in the fact that God is going yes. to. And yes. like, oh, I, I love one of my favorite, because I, I pray with a lot of uh, moms who are crying because their kid has left the faith, right? Their adult child is no longer practicing and they you just see in their heart, they're just insane intercessors. And I love that the Lord, he says um, in the gospels, he says, if you remain in me, everything you ask in my name, I will give to you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that mom, it's like, it's, it's like, if you remain in me, everything you're asking, I'm going to give it to you. And it's like, just have hope in that, like, and continue in the faith that God's going to move powerfully, but have hope in the fact that the the Lord has, he has a plan and a providence over your life Hmm. because you've Hmm. remained so faithfully in him. And, and I think that the question isn't, I mean, 
I think it's it's not what what gift is being poured out or mm-hmm. what gift isn't being poured out, but what's your disposition while those gifts are being poured out? And uh, to make it kind of very natural, I mean, a, as a dad, the the single greatest uh, experience of my joy or the lack of my joy is whether or not my kids are grateful for what I'm giving them, right? Like mm. if we're on vacation and they're not showing gratitude, I'm like ticked, right? Like it's like, huh, don't you yeah, understand? Yeah. Like I'm investing myself and our family's resources into this experience for you. For like you. I want you to be grateful or like if yeah, we're out yeah. at like for ice cream or for dinner or if like on Christmas day, right? Like mm-hmm. the, like when, when a father pours out gifts, he, he wants his, his children to be grateful yeah. and, and there's nothing worse that, okay, I'm pouring out gifts and you don't even see the gifts I'm yeah. pouring out. Sure. Like sure. you don't see, and like, you're so stuck in your ingratitude. You don't even see the incredible <laughs> things I've already <laughs> given you in the past or the incredible things that literally are surrounding you. Cause you're only looking at the one thing that's displeasing right now. And, mm-hmm. and nothing, and yeah. granted, God, the father probably is you know, better than me. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> so I don't know what his disposition is like when, when we're ungrateful, but I, I know that a, a father wants his children to see mm-hmm. the gifts that have been given. Yeah. And when they're grateful for those gifts, it does something to my heart to want to give more. Yeah. And, and I think if we're grateful for what God is doing, it's going to soften his heart if, if, if that's a, a, a language we can use about the heart of God to want to give more. Yeah, well, look at the Old Testament. I, I think we can use that language. And I think it's fair to say that the father would be bummed if we weren't realizing the goodness he wanted us to discover, Yeah. right? I think that's totally fair to recognize because here's the thing, in that moment, you don't want all of your kids to have knowledge of all the money that was spent for this reality. You don't want them to know the the per night rate at the hotel you're staying. You don't want them to know how much the dinner costs. It's not about them knowing all of those things so that they're grateful. It's simply so that they would see that your heart is for them and they're grateful and thankful knowing that what you have in mind for their good is even better than what they have in mind for their good. And that's so simple. That's so childlike. It does not take a deep analysis to realize that. And so, yeah, I I think that that's, that's really big. So I think the, the word there then is that gratitude is the secret to unlocking the greater promise. So if you're gratitude hungry, is the secret to unlocking the greater promise. Yeah. So if yep. you're hungry for the more of God, then then be grateful in the moment for what God is pouring out because mm-hmm. that will that that it entices His heart to give more. Uh, I was even thinking the connection between gratitude and and receptivity. That like when when I'm grateful, I can receive. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm not grateful, my tendency is to grasp. Yeah, huh, that's really good. Mm. And to close off, and to close off. So like either to grasp for the things I want, or to close off in in some kind of like securing way. Ch- check this out. I think um, we talk about identity a lot on the podcast, obviously. And as um, as we've been having this roundtable in that faith and hope um, dynamic, check this out. If you're operating in faith in the here now and not hope in the eternal, it can become performance very quickly. That, that it has to happen right now because I've decided in my head, this is exactly when it has to happen and I got to keep pushing. And in the case that this isn't happening, one of us isn't performing right. Mm-hmm. If it's just hope without faith, then there's no action step. It's just kind of like, I will just float yeah, yeah, into yeah. the promises of God, you know? There's almost like, it's it's just funny that God's always kind of taking us to like, I want you to hunger for me to pour out everything right now. And I don't I don't get upset, right? Yep. Like, 
it, it's simply that like it works itself out in my time. So again, I think holding those two yeah. no, I love in that. unison is super important. And operating, a, that's such a great analogy for teaching healing ministry and how to mm. deal with the fact that when a person doesn't get healed, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but holding love as, as the paramount there as well. So yeah, like at the end of the it. day, whatever happens, that person is loved, loved. and you love God mm. and you're loved by God. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Like yeah. I'm going, so I, I have faith that God's going to heal this person or God's going to bring about this person's conversion. Um, I have hope if he like, no matter what happens, but no matter what, I'm going to love this person and this person's going to experience my love for them. That has saved my heart. It really has saved my heart because I am so... I am so naturally drawn to resume building. I am so naturally drawn to... I think that I have the gifts enough to, if I show up perfectly right now, the outcome that I desire should happen. Sometimes that doesn't. But that does, it gives me the opportunity to lean on hope. But but then also I recognize in myself that as that happens, I can find in myself an excuse to no longer have faith in the moment because, oh, well, it'll work out. But then I'm like, but now I'm just lazy and not doing anything. Yeah. And I don't even mean that we were made to like do in some kind of way, but yes, we were we were made to manifest God in the earth who is action. His action is love. And I can't operate in love if I don't have faith that right now God could break into your life, you know? I don't well, know. Well, and to know like, that God loves me no matter what the outcome. So like if if Aaron heals 10 people that he prays over and I he, he pray for 10 people and none of them get healed, like God loves us the exact same, right? Or if Aaron's ministry explodes and mine doesn't, yeah. God loves us the exact same. It's like we're, <laughs> Amber and I, we like to, um, uh, buy all, all the kids Christmas gifts before Advent so that we're not like doing Christmas shopping during Advent. And uh, so we're in Christmas gift discernment mode, right? And <laughs> it's it's sometimes it's very easy to know which gift fits this child in this season of their life. And other times it's hard to know, like, does this gift fit this child in this season of their life? And I think that understanding that certain gifts fit us in certain seasons of our life and the, the mm-hmm. father is discerning which gifts he's pouring out in which season. And, Good. but uh, like if I get a quote better gift for my daughter Sophia than I do for my daughter Liliana, because there's a better gift that fits her in the season, and there's not quite that kind of a gift that fits Liliana, that doesn't mean I love Sophia more than Liliana. Yeah. It just means that there's a there's a particular gift that's being poured out in this season yeah. for this individual. And to to look at our own lives, okay, Father, what gifts are you pouring out in this season? And I'm going to be so grateful for no matter what gifts you pour out on me. And I'm not going to look to my brothers and sisters in Christ and compare myself and feel less loved by you because their gifts may look better or more that's shiny. A good analogy. Yeah, that's really, really good. I Well, yeah, it, that's where our gratitude and thanksgiving and the, the things that we've been given by the Lord now transcend to so much um, outside of the here and now. What about you, Aaron? When you think about life and ministry, um, life in the Lord. Um, what are the things that come to mind that you're thankful for? Yeah. Uh, two things. So I, a couple years ago, I was in a moment of prayer and the Lord gave me a beautiful image where he showed like, um, showed me in the middle of what I, what I received as, as like a life of ministry. And then he showed like a, a mountain range that surrounded this place. And on the outside were storms and on the inside was calm. And uh, the the Lord made the promise that, you know, as you continue to pour yourself out, you won't experience the the storms. Um, and wrestling with a number of different 
areas of storms in my life in the last <laughs> couple couple weeks, just in kind of the chaos of of moving our family and then mm-hmm. um, struggling with my my dad's going through some uh, recovery from from some sickness. Uh, what I found has been kind of a, a moment by moment reminder of that promise. Yeah. Of like when I when I when I um, keep my focus inward, mm-hmm. I spiral. And when yeah. I when I'm like, okay, this doesn't like the last thing that I want to do right now is go and preach mm-hmm. or to go and yep. uh, lead worship, right? Mm-hmm. But but the moment that I step into that is like, oh my gosh, God, you're faithful to your promise. Yeah, that's so good. That there's a there's a grace that comes from from stepping in and saying like, yes, I will serve. Uh, that I think, I don't know. It's probably a probably a universal human reality, but it's at least a universal Aaron reality that, like, my life was meant was made to be poured out. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. Me it, too. It, it, I'm going through, and you guys know, but just like getting wrecked on personal accounts, yeah, <laughs> different sure. things, and we've been it, just with within the personal life as well. There's been a lot of like financial hits, and. I've been uh, not struggling with peace at all, but the like just in conversation with Amber, I was like, man, like, uh, like God had poured out so much financial uh, providence, and we were like, I was finally feeling like we were in good spot, right? And then all this came, and it, and it was interesting because it's like she mm-hmm. she didn't use these words, but basically, like, what if the the providence that God poured out yesterday was meant to be the provision for today? And yeah. I think that I the it's if we're only looking at today and not like what he has done, sometimes we, we lose sight of like, Oh, okay. Like the, the God had, he actually had a plan for what was going to come. He had a plan for the storms that would come in your life. And he has intentionally poured out providence over the years to be your provision for today. And Mm. um, I think it's so neat that, wow. Okay. Like, in the midst of the storm, let's look back. What are the promises, the providence that God has poured out mm-hmm. so that I actually have the the resources to deal with this right now? And and like, wow, he poured out peace on me so that I'm able to actually maintain peace or he's poured out hope on me so that I can maintain hope. And mm-hmm. to see what he's given in the past really, I think, helps you in the present um, mm-hmm. to 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 remain on him and to say, thank you. Like, thank you. Even, even though this kind of stinks right now. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, is, is there any better, um, is there any better evidence for my gratitude or my thankfulness than my ongoing yes to the Lord? Right. That like, Lord, I'm so thankful for everything you have done for me in my life that I say yes again to you today, even in absence of that same evidence, right. Or felt absence of that evidence. Like, I, I think that, um, that that's where when we proclaim Jesus as Lord, it's so important to stay in that, in the sense that, Lord, I was thankful for when you were a Lord who's, um, <laughs> whose bounty was clearly being poured out for me. And I'm also thankful when you're the Lord and, um, and you're allowing me to live from that bounty into this moment so that when you pour it out again, I recognize how far your bounty can go. Right, because like, it's it's exactly what you're saying there, Dan. Is like the the providence of yesterday, those graces that the Lord has given me in in today. If I'm not if I'm not seeing a very clear pouring out there, I'm now realizing how far that resource can go. 
It's like it can go through the storms. The the that resource of peace can go through yeah. tremendous storms. That resource of power can go through immense times of unfelt um presence or yeah. whatever. And I think there is a well just even that that resource of that that encounter you had with Jesus or that yes. conversion moment. It's amazing mm-hmm. how often just in my own life I go back to those moments where the Lord spoke to me. I'm like, okay, even though I have doubt right now, I know this was him, right? Mm-hmm. Like yes. the 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 yeah. those moments when the Lord was clearly present mm-hmm. are, are the resource for today. Mm-hmm. And Brad, you also used the word bounty a few times. I feel like we don't use that word enough. Like, <laughs> let's just talk about the Lord's bounty, bounty. more. Yeah. No, no, it's bountiful. We, we talk, we, we, like, in, Bless in, us, the Lord, in the time of, and these like From thy bounty. Like, the Lord, it's not that the Lord, and I think we can think this, it's not that the Lord today realized that you were doing okay, so he's going to turn all of his attention to everyone else. Like, that's just not the reality. Yeah. The Lord's attention is always on us. I do think there's times where he gives us opportunity for faith and hope because he's good. Because faith and hope he knows allows us to love different than if we never needed it. Why does Jesus hide in the Eucharist? Why doesn't he just come in glory like he did on Mount Tabor every single time? Yeah. Just re- well, because it gives me no opportunity to ascend, to, to, <laughs> to submit my will. Yeah. I, it, it like And he... He just thinks differently than us. So well, obviously there's something, dare I say, good in the fact that he's hiding. We talk about the Easter egg hunt. I've brought that up a number of times here, but like- It's Thanksgiving. We're not talking about Easter <laughs> sorry, yet, Brad. Okay. I bet you okay. put your Christmas, Christmas tree up too, <laughs> didn't you? Yes, Come a, on, I have man. a life-size bunny in the front yard already. <laughs> You're listening to Mariah Carey, aren't you? You came in. <laughs> All yeah. I want for Christmas is the Easter bunny, yeah. you know? So I think that, the, yeah, why not Tabor all the time? Because there's something really exciting about climbing the mountain with expectation. And like, I mean, imagine James and John and like going up and and, and Peter going up to Tabor with, with Jesus. Like, man, he picked us. Like, what's going to happen? Like, this is pretty exciting. Like, we're going out, like, yeah, we're, we're here. Yeah, yeah. We're taking this day, ascending this mountain with, with mm. Jesus. Like, what's he going to do wonder, today? Wonder, yeah. followed and, by all. Wonder, yeah. I wonder up the mountain. Yeah, yeah. All at the revelation. Exactly. The yeah. And and the, if you're in those seasons, I mean, even Thanksgiving, like think about how the Thanksgiving day goes. I think Thanksgiving is such a funny holiday because it's like literally, <laughs> and then like this huge season around like one meal. <laughs> and I'm always like, man, that was anticlimactic. Like, 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 like we've had decorations in the house. We've had all this preparation. I think we made and the meal was food done la- way too fast. Well, we made the same food last year. It's still good, but yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, this is a lot yeah, of hype. yeah. yeah. I mean, when it comes to our Christmas, like our Christmas Eve meal, it like lasts like seven hours because we do like the feast of all these, like the seven fishes. And it's just like this, like, but then Thanksgiving is always like, boom, it's done. I'm like, man. Okay. But nonetheless, (laughs) it's this idea of expectation and then fulfillment. And then you have to wait until you're hungry again before you eat again. And I think Mm -hmm. that like the Lord does the exact same thing in our spiritual life. He wants us to have expectation. Then we get fulfilled. And then there's that season after fulfillment where I have to adjust to the fulfillment I've received. And I I need to rest thankful for that. But the the hunger has to build again before the next feast comes. And and the Lord wants that hunger to, because then we would just be fat. Like, and so like, let like those seasons of hunger are awesome. Those seasons of expectation are awesome because the fact that I'm hungry and I'm hungry for a meal with the Lord means the feast is coming. And, and if I'm not hungry, that means there's probably no feast coming. And if there's no expectation no feast is coming. And so like, if you're in those seasons of waiting, of expectation, of wanting more from the Lord, like 
thank you, Jesus. Like in those moments, be grateful because mm-hmm. there's an abundant feast that's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our liturgical calendar is like even built around that, right? Like e- even the very- There's Brad functional- trying to celebrate Christmas again before it's time. <laughs> but it's like no. always like these seasons of fasting and feasting. Yeah. Like- yeah, that's good. written into the life of the church is the experience of the church's people, you know? And um, yeah, it, it's funny because off of what you're saying there, Aaron, like I do think that times when, I don't know, um, it's almost, I'll say it like this, it's almost more important to be thankful absent evidence because it teaches me how to not overlook Thanksgiving when there's an abundance of evidence. Like it's actually by, by making the choice that in the storm, I'm going to be thankful that when there's no storm, I remember that I should be thankful. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because sometimes I, I don't know if you guys experience this, but our life at Damascus, like I am sometimes so overwhelmed by how much blessings being poured out that I forget to thank the Lord for the blessing. Oh yeah, for sure. That, that I, it's just commonplace. And I'm not even saying that in pride at all. It's just like, oh my goodness, like the applications, people are filling those out. People are showing up to these events we're running. People are meeting the Lord at these events we're running. The people that are meeting the Lord at the events we're running are sending their whole family to our other events. Like, I can forget in those seasons, and again, this is on me, and I I, I want to shape my heart to be better, but I can forget to turn and say, Lord, thank you so much that these universities were open to this, that you did this, you know? But when I I am in a, a hardship, I, I remember, man, I really should be thankful. And then I wrestle with it for a while, and then I am thankful. And then because I experienced that in that, I don't know. What do you think about that? Mm. Well, I mean, it's a habit. Yeah. Right? It's a habit that we got to build. Uh, it's, it's a virtue, right? Yeah. Our, our thankfulness is, it's a, it's a virtue that, that comes from, from practice. And hmm. yeah, you're totally right. I mean, you, you know, you hear that, that, platitude that that your prayer is most valuable when when you you know when you pray when you don't want to and yeah uh i I think that it's it's an invitation into right-sizing our expectation of Mm -hmm. of seeing that okay god i'm not i'm not only in a relationship to with you when it serves me right Uh, um as you're speaking i'm i'm i mean i'm making that connection again this is maybe another just another vantage point from uh on the idea that that this is the place where encounter meets mission. That that you know, encounter with Jesus has to be rooted in the yes, regardless of regardless mm-hmm. of what the payoff is. Because I got I've got to trust that the payoff is is relationship, right? The payoff is is that Jesus that I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you here. I'm gonna meet you in the fact that hey, you're you're not just the God of victory, right? You are you are just as present on the cross as you are in the resurrection. And there's a time where I, where I yes. had to experience one and the other. Yes. So so don't let me shut the door to what, mm-hmm. um, you know, what aspect of relationship you're trying to teach me right now because I'm looking forward to tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. right. And they're and they're all connected. And we talk about that with encounter and mission. That that we encounter the Lord, we go on mission where we encounter Him again, which sends us on to mission, right? Yeah. And like Mount Tabor, mm-hmm. if we're going back to the Transfiguration, like like theme or, or idea rather, like those fishermen met a rabbi that came to the seashore and, and elevated them out of, out of the, the mundane. And now that same rabbi who has been encountered before is inviting them up this mountain. 
And what I love about that is to your point, Dan, like up the mountain, there's probably a curiosity, like, what are we doing this time? Like you've taken us from the seashore. Now we're traveling, like all these things. But I, I'm always so blessed when I read the gospel of John and his beautiful prologue when he's like, and we saw his glory. Like how marked, like how marked he was by the transfiguration. Like, like he kept going back to encounter while he was living out this mission, which eventually took him to Patmos. But like he, they were trying to kill him. He was writing this gospel. Like the, this mission that he was in was sustained. And you can tell by his words, by, by this profound encounter that I'm sure wasn't easy. Like they were always trying to kill the apostles. They were plotting against them. They were becoming outcasts to the Jewish community, but people were also following them. They were living in this wrestle, like with storms, literal storms and and other things and, and famine. And like, and then all of a sudden, like John realizes in a moment that like, whoa, all of these things led to this. And I encountered his glory. And even in me being boiled alive or whatever they tried to do to John, we saw his glory and everything I tell you after this were all of the steps to him revealing his ultimate glory in the resurrection. And so like, man, if we could just, to your point, not divorce hmm. the aspects. You know, what's so funny is I'm, I'm just thinking about, um, I first encountered Jesus through people who had so little who were thankful, uh, you know, like a uh, seventh oh. grade. Um, I went on a mission trip uh, to Appalachia and, um, and Aaron and I've, you know, I've been to cranks, uh, so, yeah. so many years after that, but the seventh grade Dan saw poverty in an insane way for the first time ever. And it shook me to the core that these were some of the happiest people I've ever met and some of the most grateful people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, mission trip after mission trip, high school after high school that we take down to Cranks Creek, they have the same exact experience, right? What shakes them at the core is that even though you don't have the resource, you're still grateful. Mm -hmm. And what if that's actually the most effective way to lead others to encounter Jesus? What if the most effective means to evangelization is that we would be a people who, even though we may not have all the resources we want as a church right now, or maybe we're not seeing the outpouring of God and uh, to the level that we desire, mm-hmm. we're still the most grateful people ever. Mm-hmm. And that if we could allow, if our parishes could be the the beacon of gratitude yeah. in, in the midst of the difficulties of daily life. Imagine when people come, the conversions they would have. That mm-hmm. that gratitude and thanksgiving is is a means. It, um, man, I just think it's it, it's probably one of the primary means of evangelization. Mm-hmm. That like there's nothing more captivating than people who are truly grateful, mm-hmm. even when they don't have everything mm-hmm. and. Um, it, it it causes people to question like, wow, yeah. like, well, what is the cause of your gratitude? Mm-hmm. And it's so clear that the cause of your gratitude is, is him, mm-hmm. he who pours out. And, uh, yeah. like, man, our, yeah, we, it, it's so connected to evangelization. Yeah. It's wild. It reminds me of that Evangelii Gaudium quote from Pope Francis. And there, there's a lot of, like, if you haven't read that book and you're listening today, like just please. Well, get that's it. a little bit more than a book. I mean, yeah, it is an encyclical. Then please get it. But um, he says in it that in order to persist in fervent evangelization, we must be convinced from personal experience that it's not the same thing to know Jesus as not to have known him. And what I've always loved about that simple statement 
is that like, what makes me different than what I see in my day-to-day life is when I'm grateful amidst hardship. Mm-hmm. Because life with Jesus is different than if I didn't have Jesus in my life. Because hardships suck. Yeah. Like, and so for me to be unpleasant because something unpleasant's happening to me is naturally the response. Yeah. If the response is other, it's because something else is there. You know, like that is what helps me persist. And I think that's, and that's the difference between the Christian and the politician, I think, right? We, mm. we, we, we have issues in Christianity a lot where we actually bring political mindsets into Christianity. And the difference is when I see drive, I'm driving down the road, I see, road, I see a billboard that frustrates the heck out of me, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're pushing a yeah. political agenda, a moral agenda, whatever it is that I disagree with. I have, I have two options right there, right? I can either grow in frustration that like, God, like, why is this mm-hmm. happening? Or I can be completely humbled to the fact that, oh my, like you've chosen me that I would know the truth that that's wrong. Like, like that I had nothing to do with this. Like there are people in our modern Mm -hmm. world who are living with blackened minds that believe that the falsehood is truth and that evil is good. And like the, they're not bad people. Like they're the, but, but God, you've chosen me. There's a fundamental difference between knowing Christ and not knowing him. And for whatever reason, you allowed me to know (laughs) you, to know (laughs) the truth, to know the light, to know the way. And it's set me free. Yeah. And it's like, man, like, so yes, there should be a righteousness that comes out. That's frustrated by those things, but also gratitude should well up that, wow, like you, you let me know the truth because if not for yeah. you, I would be in the exact same boat as this person. And so like, uh, as opposed to the p- politics are just, yeah, let's just, let's just put ourselves in two different camps and my camp is right. No, there's like, like I didn't come up with this camp. Like he chose me. He yeah, put me in this, yeah, he yeah. put me in this life of truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, thank you, Jesus for yeah. that. You saved, you literally saved me from the darkness that I see in the world all around yeah. me. Let me throw let me throw this quick and, and see what you guys think. And then uh, I have one more thought before we uh, wrap up. Um, righteousness, though, because exactly what you're saying. So I, I know why you're saying that, that like that there should be a righteous frustration with that. But righteousness without responsibility is futile. They're like, I, I've been really reflecting on the Beatitudes recently. And the Lord says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I yep. think oftentimes we read that in like righteousness in the world. Mm-hmm. But if I'm hungering and thirsting, I want to be righteous. Like I'm hungering and thirsting for right order in me so I can impart that right order on others. When I actually take that responsibility, like I will see God. Yep. Like, like, and when I see God, I begin seeing that he's bringing this wholeness here so I can spread that. I think what happens sometimes, and the reason I think you're right, that I need to be thankful that the Lord freed me from the slavery that's contained within that thought is because when I get frustrated with it, I just make an argument that brings more people to my side that oftentimes doesn't actually move the needle at all. No, yeah. At all. But yeah. when I take that responsibility and say like, well, let it start here yeah. and then move it forward. Yeah, no, um, that's a great word. Yeah. It is funny because the word righteousness is often so it's portrayed outward, but it is in the Jewish context when we say that Joseph was a righteous man, yeah, yeah. It, the, it, it's that... They, he faithfully followed the the Mosaic law, yes. right? That and so, it, it, you know, happy are those, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to faithfully follow the Lord's law. For it's they the shall see God. Same with Daniel; they found yeah. no fault within him. What did that yeah. mean? It meant he was righteous. Yeah, they, they 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 looked and there was no fault there. Yeah, like what happens to us when we make a good argument but have no character backing it? Ad hominem immediately, right? 
But, if, but, but even but, if you but do but have I the good character it. behind it, you only have the good character because he provided the that's grace it. for you to have that's good it. character. And of course, you you went along with that exactly. grace. Exactly. But like, he, like if I am a righteous man and, and I look to those who are unrighteous with condemnation or judgment mm-hmm. as if I am the source of my own righteousness, I'm a Pharisee. That's yep. exactly what they were right. The Pharisees were righteous, yeah, right, but they were right, Pharisaical. Right. They had a yes, mindset of condemnation for something they didn't because they they thought they earned their way to righteousness. Yes. You no, you don't no, earn it. We're all saved by grace, yes, and, and yes. that's not a Protestant term. That's biblical. Yes, we are saved yes. by grace, and mm-hmm. it is the grace of Christ yep. that enabled me to to follow His law, to know that's His it. law to follow his law. And in that, I should be so grateful. Yeah, and what do the saints write? That we act in accord with that grace, right? Yeah. We Like he gives that grace and I act in accord with it. That is what brings salvation to the world. And even that I'm able to act in accord with his grace is a grace. Yes, good, like, right. like, it all goes back. Come right. on, yeah. like, because when I yes. don't act in accord with yeah. his grace, what do I yep. do? I ask for him for the grace to act in accord no, with that's, his grace. That's, that's, that's so good. It's his strength yeah. in me, alive in me, that enables mm-hmm. me yeah. to yeah. receive all of his gifts. Take, and so just take a, thank take another, you, another step too, so. You know, Jesus says he doesn't come to uh, abolish the law, but to fulfill it, right? That Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Yeah. So there's a there's a transformation of righteousness to just being faithful to the law to actually being in right relationship with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the righteousness for us doesn't imply that I'm doing good things apart from relationship with God. Yeah. It actually... It's actually the opposite. That's so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. let me bring let me bring up one more thing before, before we close. So... Um, I, I, I firmly believe that Thanksgiving is the antidote to the, the biggest issues in the world today. And, and the two that I see most- The holiday often, or the- Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The Thanksgiving. <laughs> we need more turkey. More, more turkey. Oh, wow, that's good. You got Brad really good there. Okay, um, oh, man, he's going. No, I, he's going. No, no, no. So, um, the, the disposition of gratitude- The pilgrim said the same <laughs> thing, Brad. Thanksgiving as, dis- <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving as the disposition of gratitude. So like um, being grateful, I I think is the antidote to the two biggest issues I see in the world today. And we all do a lot of ministry. And I think we might be able to agree here that I think the two biggest issues facing the Western world today, at least America and in our context with young people, anxiety and entitlement, anxiety and entitlement, that anxiety is suffocating them and entitlement is leading them to believe falsities all the time. And I want to speak... um, two things and then throw it to you guys and, and just maybe um, discuss this. So in scripture, Philippians is, is my, my favorite of Paul's writings. Um, and it just always has been. And at the end of it's Philippians, it's, it's good really one. good. In chapter four, he says, have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. I love that scripture because of two things. It actually speaks the antidote to anxiety as bringing my petitions faithfully with thanksgiving to God. That's amazing. So it's saying that thanksgiving, that element within that transcends the anxiety that I that I first had. Secondly, it, it says at the very end, um, make your requests known to God, not your demands, which is also really interesting because it changed my life. This had to be like five years ago now. When I, when I realized that I actually deserve nothing, I literally deserve non-existence. Like, like if we take it all the way down mm-hmm. and, and if you start there, I'm, I'm not in like some, I don't know, dark way, but like if I realize that the only thing I deserve is non-existence and I literally believe everything past the point of non-existence is gift, 
richest person ever. Uh-huh. Like I'm the richest person ever. And it takes me purely out of entitlement because I've never been entitled to anything I have now. And it's exponentially more than I ever deserved. So <laughs> I, I guess like, let's just um, maybe throw that here quick. Like how have you seen maybe in your own life and the lives of those you're ministering to, maybe in the lives of our missionaries, like Thanksgiving, you know, become the peace that that transcends understanding, right? That, that's what Paul's talking about is that the, the way to have peace is to bring these requests to God, faithfully give it to him and be thankful for what is and what will be. So what are ways that we've seen Thanksgiving transcend anxiety and entitlement, our own lives, other lives? Let's mm. set up shop there. Uh, that's such a good word. I love I love what you're saying, especially about um, breaking anxiety and entitlement. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what's just coming to my mind is my own family again, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that um, the uh, entitlement is is a destroyer of the good and it, it breaks the peace within the home, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the... Yeah. What, when the Lord says, ask and you shall receive, if you understand that asking is making your request known to God and not making your demands known to God, mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. understand exactly what you're receiving. And, and so, yeah. you know, I, how can I, how can I, under, how can I say that the Lord gives us everything we ask for if what I'm asking for uh, are demands. Like that's actually, I don't receive mm-hmm. everything I ask for if they're demands, but I do receive everything I ask for if they're request to a benevolent mm-hmm. father. Mm-hmm. And, and so when my children ask me for something, well, they're, they're making their request known to me and it's allowing me to understand, okay, now how am I going to bless them based off of this request? And, yeah. yep. and it allows me to go in a discernment period of, I now understand what they desire and now mm-hmm. I can take their desires that have been communicated and I can pour goodness to fulfill those desires in the way that I know is best for them. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I think the, the same thing with the father. And if I'm bringing entitlement to the father, um, it, I, I'm expecting results as opposed to saying, listen, you know what's best for me and you understand me in a way I don't understand myself yet. And yes. uh, believe it or not, you have more experience at this than I do. And so um, so I do receive, and it, it's it's hard because even when you're preaching that phrase, ask and you shall receive, sometimes I'm, I'm afraid that if not preached in the full context, people, they, they go to the Lord with entitlement as opposed to understanding like, the benevolence of the father and the goodness of the father. It's not that he's never like, he is literally giving us everything we, we request of him. Yeah. Channeled through the best possible way to receive mm-hmm. that. Yep. That's really good. I see Brad. I see uh entitlement and anxiety. Those are not fruits of the spirit. Right. Right. So, so let me take it a step further. Like we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against, mm. against, Demonic yeah, power, powers and principalities. Right? Yeah. So, so anxiety and entitlement are are works of the enemy. So yeah. when you when you expose the works of the enemy to the light of to the light of grace to the light of the spirit, what happens yeah. is they just lose their power. They dissipate. Yeah. Yep. So and it's it's like the perfect it's the perfect antidote, but it's mm-hmm. also the perfect antidote that we don't want to receive. So I know for myself, I'll just speak yeah. from simple yep. experience, like. For whatever reason, it feels like there's some there's some semblance of control when I when I grab hold of anxiety and entitlement, right? But I know that the minute I start to express thankfulness, gratitude, that all of a sudden that stuff just loses its allure. Yes. It loses its power. 
So, so what can you do? Well, make it part of your discipline. Mm-hmm. Good. Make make gratitude Good. part of your discipline. Yep. Here, here at Damascus, one of the ways we do that, even in ministry, is that every retreat, regardless of how successful it was or how hard it was mm-hmm. or how much of our staff is exhausted <laughs> and sick and sleep deprived, right? Yeah. That that we we end we begin with intercession, we end with Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like it's it's those moments, you know, that regardless of regardless of how my body's feeling, there's yeah. there's spiritual fruit that's being born, mm-hmm. and there's a habit that's being formed. That's right. That that doesn't matter if you want this, mm-hmm. you need this. Yes, yes, and it's a concept that we teach here, and I I think. Um, I bless the Lord for for giving us um, that particular teaching on expectant Thanksgiving. Yeah, that I can thank Him before things happen because that's the definition of hope. The definition of hope is I'm holding on to Your promises and thanking You for what I have not yet already seen. And I, I think that, um, yeah, like have no anxiety. Don't don't be entitled because the the Lord like the Lord isn't going to give you your demands because He actually. <laughs> what he desires for you is better than what you desire for you. Yes. One of the things we teach during our mission support raising boot camp here. So all of our missionaries for those listening, they 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 raise um support, financial support so that they can live as missionaries for as long as the Lord calls them to. And we we teach a a very profound truth there that that Catholicism is not it's it, it's not the um it's not a prosperity gospel and it's not a poverty gospel. It's a providential gospel. That that's the beauty of Catholicism, that a prosperity gospel says, because you've done these things, you're entitled to things. A, an impoverished gospel says that like, well, I need to have anxiety because I, I don't really have much. Like it, 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 like it gets me into this place where, well, I'm just a bunch of nothingness and I have nothing good to bring. And I'd be anxious in that situation too if I have nothing to bring and have no idea what to do, right? The providence that that threads through those two suggests this, that no, I know, I know what is best for you. And if you can present to me your desires, I will give you those desires maybe in ways you didn't expect and maybe in ways you did expect. And at the same time, I will constantly speak over you, the goodness that I've placed in you, the place that I have for you. And there you there you don't have to fall to these extremes, right? Like, and, and that, and we know that, that's where virtue's at. That's also where God's at because God is virtue. Like God is in in between those those two tension points, those two extremes that we can favor at different times, even in our own lives. I, I find this in me sometimes. It's like, Lord, I've given you my life as a missionary and I'm not getting this yet. That's not how this works, right? <laughs> it's like, no, that's actually a prosperity, that's a prosperity mindset. That no, I I just I wanna I wanna walk the path of providence, mm-hmm. the providential gospel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so rich. Yeah. Thank well, you, Jesus. Why don't we close in prayer? You want to you wanna, uh, kick us in there? And yeah, and then we'll, absolutely. Uh, pray um, for everyone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Oh, Lord, we just pray for a greater outpouring of um, the gift of wonder and awe, that you would pour out wonder and awe in our hearts, that we would see what you're doing and we would fall to our needs and worship of you. Lord, we pray for the grace to activate the discipline to be more thankful in our daily lives, mm-hmm. that you would um, open our eyes so that we would see. Lord, I, I pray you would start opening our eyes to just the smallest things ever. I think I, I, 
I think the Lord wants to say he's uh, curing blindness today, that there has been a spiritual blindness that your heart has had for a number of years, and you haven't seen the, the just the incredible grace that the Lord's been pouring out in all the small things of life. And the Lord wants to cure that spiritual blindness today. So Lord, I just pray as you healed the blind man, you would heal us today, mm-hmm. that we would see what you are doing in our midst we would see what you were doing in our midst. Lord, I, I, I bring to you problems that we have in our lives, and I pray that we would see what you are doing in our midst, that you are the solution and you are the promise to those problems. Yeah, Jesus, I, I pray that that thank you, Jesus, would be the prayer on our lips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lord, bring that to our mind, that thank you, Jesus, would 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 be our reaction when we when we face trial and when we face blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord, make us grateful. Shape our hearts so that we can be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're um, watching on YouTube or listening, what I want you to do is to open your eyes and look around. And if, uh, if you're struggling with Thanksgiving, are you driving to a job that's provided for your family for years? Are you driving in a car that you own? Are you able to see because your eyes work? Are you able to hear this podcast because your ears work? Let's let's never take for granted an opportunity to be grateful. Are you drinking thankful. a cup of coffee? Are you drinking a cup of coffee? Thank you, Thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, right? Like, um, <laughs> I, I begin every morning with worship, literally. Yes. Except for those mornings when you where the Keurig yeah. says, add water. I'm like, no! And, and, and what's Who amazing about that? that is I'm so thankful that I even have a Keurig to oh, bring yeah, coffee yeah, to yeah, me yeah, every morning. Yeah, but no, if, yeah. you're, um, <laughs> if you're listening to this episode and it's blessed you, we invite you to, to find us wherever you find podcasts. Find us on YouTube. Like comment, subscribe, share this video, this recording with someone else so they can be blessed by it. And um, and thank you. Thank you for listening. We're also really thankful for our sponsors at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. They've been so faithful to us since the very beginning of this show. We're excited to see what this show continues to do and it would be impossible without their graciousness. So thank you, St. Gabriel Radio. Thank you all for listening today. Um, continue to thank the Lord throughout your days. Bring the gospel to all those around you and we'll see you next time here at Beyond Damascus. God bless.